glad you're here today, that you braved it wherever you are. And as Kevin said, it's a tough decision to make. We waited as long as we could to make the call. And uh, if you're a guest here at Calvary, uh, you may not know, we've got folks from Lenore City and Powell and from Maryville and uh, Dandre out that area. I mean, we've just got folks from everywhere, and we want to make sure that um, we try to make the best decision we could. So uh, anyway, glad you're here. This afternoon at 2 o'clock, there is a Right to Life march and rally. It begins just down the street at the World's Fair site uh, under the amphitheater. And if you can make that, you still have plenty of time to get home and, and to watch Peyton. So uh, invite you to that. It's, um, it's an atrocity, and I hope and pray that in our lifetime and in your lifetime, you will see something that just makes no sense at all come to an end. I'm sure everybody here has heard of B.B. King. I'm an old blues guy, and if you haven't heard him, then you're missing out on something. Uh, I've been to several of his concerts, saw him all the way back uh, in the 70s up until I think the last time I saw him uh, was, was actually, of course, here in Knoxville. And, uh, but he was an incredible guitar player. Uh, he died this past year uh, just a few months short of his 90th birthday. He gave his final performance at age 89, just a few months before he passed away. And not only was his guitar playing legendary, but his work ethic was legendary. And I've noticed that about people who are really successful. But they never just stop. Well, when B.B., whose real name was Riley, coincidentally, uh, when he left his little hometown in Mississippi and moved to Memphis, Tennessee uh, to pursue his dream, he couldn't find work, but he didn't let that stop him. He went back to Mississippi, spent a couple of years there working at a radio station and the whole time practicing scales, practicing, honing his craft. And when he turned to Memphis in 1949, he was able to get a recording contract, but his record didn't sell very well. He didn't let that stop him. He kept playing, and he kept working, and he kept practicing, and he kept getting better and better. Well, by the end of the 1950s, he had become a well-known, respected musician. By the 1960s, he was a celebrity had several hits. By the 90s, he had Grammys and was listed in Guitar Player Magazine as the third best guitar player on the planet. B.B. King never stopped playing, never stopped recording, never stopped performing. And most significantly, and I think the thing I like about him is that he never stopped practicing. He never stopped rehearsing, and he never stopped getting better. Just a couple of years ago, in an interview with a Harvard psychology professor, he said this, any day I don't hear or learn something new is a day lost. I don't think of my age as a shut-off valve. I do everything I can every day to make sure I have a good performance that night. 
his attitude reminds me of, of several other people. And, uh, one of those is Sam Walton, who's the founder of Walmart. Uh, this is a quote from David Glass, who's a former Walmart CEO. He said this, in, in talking about Sam Walton, he said, there's never been a day in his life since I've known him that he didn't improve in some way. We're in week three of a series called Wisdom's Cry, and we're looking at these principles from Proverbs that will give you a strong advantage in every situation. We're looking at four habits that I've said I guarantee you if you take and apply, you implement these into your daily life, you'll absolutely be a cut above the rest of the people where you work. You'll go head and shoulders above all the others in your class. It makes a difference in your life and the lives of other people around you. So today we're going to look at a verse that's kind of special to me because I discovered this early on in my Christian experience. In fact, when I went to college, I took this verse and I, I carried one notebook and I put all my classes and subjects, I don't know, this is probably like really old school, probably don't even use paper now, but um, in this notebook I kept everything so that I always had like all my notes to every class with me. You know, it's just kind of my personality, I like that. So I had everything there. And on the very front divider, when you open it up and there's that first page, I wrote this scripture. And although I don't journal every day, you know, like a diary, I do keep a journal. And I write in it off and on, um, you know, maybe once or twice a week or, you know, whenever something interests me or gets my attention, maybe there's something uh, even utilitarian about it, just notes I want to take. But in the front of every journal, you'll find this verse. It's Proverbs 23, verse 12. And I'm going to encourage you to memorize this during the week. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Your translation may say it a little differently, uh, but the truth is there. There is a, a flaw or a quirk in, I've encountered in, in people and in myself, in folks just about every age, every walk of life, every kind of background, every success level. And it's a problem that pulls you down and it holds you back and it does everything it can to keep your life as bland and as boring as it possibly can be. So what is that problem? It's complacency. It's an attitude that says, eh, I know all I need to know about this. I'm as good as I need to be. I am the way I am. I think I'm good to go. I'm just going to coast the rest of the way. And I mentioned Peyton, and I think it's amazing at this point in his career, he still studies the films and he still practices. And you see that in athletes who are standout. You see it in entertainers. You see it in, in business leaders. You see it in people who care uh, not just about the past, but about the future. And I wish I could say that this problem 
only happens to people when they reach a certain age. Uh, but I see this sometimes in people much younger than me, this attitude that says, I'm as good as I need to be about this. Good enough, good enough. And that's, that's all right with me. That attitude, folks, that will ensure more than any other you're never going to stand out. You're just going to blend in with the crowd. You'll always make your home right in the middle of mediocrity. And I know this because I've been that guy. And I've lived like that. This begs a question. Who wants to live their life mediocre? got one life. This is not dress rehearsal. This is it. You've got one shot. You want that to be mediocre. And when we're called to follow Jesus, we're called into a life full of potential. A life that has the seeds of greatness in it. We're called to a life of infinite joy. And it's not just preacher talk. It's not just Dan trying to be encouraging. We're called to a life of victory and abundance and a life of meaning. Nowhere in the Bible, especially in this book of Proverbs that we're looking at, do you ever get the idea that good enough is good enough? And that coasting is okay. So today, I'm going to challenge you to commit yourself to the pursuit of excellence in every way. And what I have found is that this is not just me trying to get better and better, so that each year I think, wow, there's been an upgrade, you know, it updated the system, Dan 2.0 is so much better than the original, and you know, you just get, it's not about that as much as it is me dying to Dan and allowing Jesus to completely and come out through my life to be released in and through me more and more. That's the key. That's like the secret. I'm challenging you to commit yourself to the idea that every day of your life you seek to release him more, to get better in those areas of your life that really matter to you. And which are the areas that matter most? Well, I realize that in many ways, that's, that's up to you to decide. I, I, can't, I can't tell you that, but I know that part of the answer is you know, going to be obvious. Uh, your relationship uh, with God, your relationship with your family, with your friends, the kind of person that you're becoming, the way you approach your classes, the way you do your job, who you are, what you do, on and on. When you commit yourself to a life of like never-ending improvement, if you will, and not settling for less, or being complacent, the areas that matter most to you become really obvious. So I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself three questions every day. So if you're going to take notes this morning, jot these down, then later transfer them to your journal, to your phone,
to a post-it note that you can put on the bathroom mirror or on the dashboard of your car. Ask these questions and let them serve like a filter for the way you prioritize your schedule and all your activities tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and on. First question is this. What can I learn today? B.B. King said, any day that I don't learn something new, that's a day wasted. He said that in his 80s. And yet there are people in their 20s or 30s or 40s, some of you guys even in high school, who think, well, you know, I think I know all I need to know about this certain area. I've known parents who think, I know everything I need to know about parenting. I've known businessmen who think, I, need, I know all I need to know about business. I got this. I've known Christians who think, I, need, I think I know all I need to know, uh, if not everything there is to know uh, about how to interpret the Bible, what the Bible says, or what it teaches, how to live the Christian life. In fact, that I know it so well for me that I think I can tell other people how you need to live your life. And I'll tell you, there have been times when I have fallen into every one of those categories. I've done that. And I can tell you that being uh, such a know-it-all never ends well for anybody. Proverbs says this in chapter 13, verse 18, Poverty and disgrace comes to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. It also says this in chapter 9, verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The foundation of wisdom is a desire to, to grow in knowledge, to pursue a lifestyle of learning more every day. I came across some statistics and this is based on research done by the Jenkins Group. And here's what it said. 33% of high school graduates never read another book after graduation. 42% of college graduates never read another book after graduation. 80% of the families in the U.S. did not buy or read a book in the last 12 months. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Now, I mean, when I hear statistics like these, it's not the first time I've heard them, but I have to wonder, how can anybody, how do you expect your life to get better if you're not learning anything new? And technology has made this so easy. You can read a book on your phone. You can listen to a book on your phone. I even subscribe to a couple of sites that will condense the book to 15 minutes. So I read a business book every week, even though it's not in my skill set. You know, it's not what I need to know. I'm going to read that because I don't want to become irrelevant, even if it's a shortened version. So when I hear this, I think, you know, for the believer, it's not just about reading new books, okay? I'm not trying to 
And, and I know some, you know, you're already thinking of things you want to say, like, well, I don't read or I don't like to read. And I, I get that. But if this is about even spending time in the Word, we're doing this as a church together, and I love the responses, and I, I love what God's doing in us. Getting something new out of the Bible. I was reading this morning the section uh, that we have for today. And in the, in the very first part of it, which is kind of where I'm leaning into, you know, there's like the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. Uh, different parts on different days kind of get my imagination. But the, that first part, that story that's unfolding today, God spoke to me. And it was just in, I'm going to bless these children. I'm going to name everybody. I'm going to do this. There's something that God had tucked away in there. And I've been reading the Bible for about four decades now. God spoke to me this morning. Listen, this principle applies to all of us. It's a good habit for Christians to develop. Probably the most important habit is to do that every day. But this, uh, this principle, it applies to other areas of your life. So ask yourself, what can I learn today about being a better spouse? You think, well, I've been married 10 years. I've been married 20 years, 30 years, 37 years. There's something you can learn how to do this better. What can I learn about being a better parent? God's teaching me how to be a better parent. My kids are gone. What can I learn about being effective in the work that God's called me to do? What new thing can I learn today? So asking that question is going to lead to the next question. And it's the second question I'm going to challenge you with. And I want you to ask yourself this one next uh, when you get up tomorrow. What can I do better today? Proverbs says in, in chapter 22, verse 29, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. You will not stay at an entry-level position. You will not stay in a place of, where there's no influence or leadership. This is, I'm talking about the antithesis of this, well, good enough is good enough kind of mindset. I'm talking about this perpetual commitment to doing everything as well as it can be done. Do it right. A student told me a couple of years ago that his New Year's resolution the previous year was to, he said, I'm going to make my bed every day. Okay? Well, that's, that's great. That's an awesome thing. But you know where he got that idea? And uh, you may have seen this. You can look for it on YouTube. It's really cool. It's like a less than 20-minute speech uh, given at the 2014 University of Texas commencement speak, uh, speech, uh, the address there, where the speaker was Admiral William H. McRaven. He was a Navy SEAL, and he is the ninth commander of U.S. Special Operations. He talked about how for him it all started off every day by making his bed and doing it really well. And he would go out, and he talked about these these phases and the, the training you go through as a Navy SEAL and how each one of those he applied this life lesson to. It's really cool. I encourage you to go check it out. But he said making his bed because he said this. This is what I wrote in my journal. You can't do the little things right 
you're never going to get the big things right. And even if you have a miserable day, at least you'll come home at night to a perfectly made bed. And that'll give you some encouragement that tomorrow there's hope. It can be a better day. You want to change the world? Admiral McCraven says, start by making your bed. In Paul's letter to Titus, he said this in chapter 2, verse 7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. What's he talking about? He's talking about doing everything with a spirit of excellence. You see this in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 23. He says, whatever you do, let me just, just, he says, let me just throw a real wide net. Whatever you do, work heartily. It's like an old-timey word. Work heartily. Do it well. Do your best as for the Lord and not for men. Don't do enough, in other words, just to get by for the boss, just to make the grade. Just, he says, no, step it up. Take it to the next level. Do whatever you do and do it well. The Old Testament describes the prophet Daniel, who's one of my heroes. I think that guy was just, he was just an awesome guy. Describes him like this in Daniel 6.3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. There was something different about this guy. There was something different about Joseph. There's something different about men and women who are willing to do a little more than is just required. So I'm challenging you to think about this this week. Think about it tomorrow. What can you do with a spirit of excellence? That right now, you're just coasting, you're dialing it in, you're doing enough to get by. How can you make it better? Max Browning said this, I'm thankful God does not accept the limitations we put on our lives. Mediocrity is never his will for us. He calls us to excellence and challenges to be more than we thought. I took one of those online IQ tests. I had no idea I'm almost a genius. You probably already picked up on that. I told Kathy because I wasn't sure she knew. And I'm going to keep reminding her of that. Every time we have a disagreement, I'm going to say, who's borderline genius here? I didn't know that. So see, that gives me this responsibility to do things with an even more a spirit of excellence. And those, uh, those, uh, those of you who are smart like me, I challenge you to do the same thing. Now, it, think about this. If you do everything today just 1% better than you did it yesterday, can you imagine what the long-term results of that gonna, are going to be? See, compounding doesn't just work in finances. It works in lots of ways. This is what will make you as an employee indispensable. This is what will make your relationships unbreakable. This is what makes lives meaningful and useful in the kingdom of God.
the spirit of excellence that sets churches apart from just seeming like another organization with a group of members that get together once a week. When you make the commitment to do all that you can do with the spirit of excellence, you make a difference to the world around you. God has refreshed that call. He's refreshed that in, in my heart this week. I got to thinking about this, and as an as a almost genius, uh, I don't know if you'll be able to follow this, but I hope, I hope you can. The average American meets 10,000 people in their lifetime. So if you just change 10 lives, and those 10 change 10 lives, and those 10, 10 change 10 lives, and those 10 change 10 lives, that is a million lives that have been changed. We're not even out of this generation. So I'm challenging you to ask yourself every day, how can I do what I do better than I did it yesterday? How can I do it better than I've done it before? This brings me to the third question. First, what can I learn today? Second, what can I do better today? And third, what can I change today? Specifically, what can I change about me? What about my behavior, my attitudes? Excellence means not only doing the things that we do better than we've done them before, it means that we're willing to eliminate once and for all that which is not doing us any good. You maybe have something in your life, you think, this, is, this does no good, but I'm going to continue to engage in it. What is it that's holding you back? That prevents us from fulfilling God's call uh, on your life. Well, there's a Bible word for what's holding you back, and that word is sin. And there's a Bible word for the process of eliminating that from your life, which is not taking you anywhere, that which is no good, and that word is repentance. Repentance is an essential element in this quest for excellence. Repentance means that you invite the Holy Spirit to speak. And then when He draws attention to those things in your life that are displeasing, and some of those you think, I wasn't even aware of that or haven't given it a lot of thought. But when He speaks it, when He brings it out, and, and you, you get that, those things that are hindering your spiritual growth, then you make a courageous decision I'm going to cut that out. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to start doing this. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes, they will obtain mercy. We can't achieve excellence if we're going back every day to those same old destructive habits. You're going to stay where you are. And, and destructive is exactly what sin is. And it destroys everything around you. Sin just messes up your life. And you need to understand that sin is its not just an item on this arbitrary list of things that God decided he doesn't like and doesn't want you to do. No, he doesn't want you to do these things because he knows that's going to tear your life apart. And it'll probably do a lot of damage to the lives of people around you. So think about the sin that you're struggling with right now. And think about the harm that it can do if you continue to let it go unchecked. And 
you pretend you don't notice it or it's not there or you rationalize or all of that, all those games that we play with ourselves, that sin does what it's capable of doing in your life because it's toxic. It always causes problems wherever it goes. It always destroys everything it gets near. That's why you must be ruthless in your determination to eliminate those things uh, from your life that stand between you and God and you and the person that God's called you to be. Here's what I've noticed. Uh, once we get past those really big sins, you know, the ones you find out about when you become a follower of Jesus, and you go, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'll stop that. That's pretty obvious. Or that one I kind of knew about, but I uh, just didn't deal with it. And, and so we kind of we check those off. It's really tempting after that to, to become complacent and let those lesser, you know, that subset of sins, the ones that people typically consider, to, oh, that's small, that's really not that big a deal. I don't do any of these things, you know. Look at that big list, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, yeah, maybe I, I still gossip, and there's some bitterness there, and, and I'm kind of greedy. I don't give uh, very much. I'm sort of jealous, and I'm, I'm judgmental about things. You know, you know what? Those sins aren't so small. Uh, they're displeasing to God, just like all the others. And for you to compromise or to wink at those, that's going to wreak havoc in your life. Just like those other, those big sins will. And they have the power, just like those, to hold you back and just to keep you mired, keep you stuck in mediocrity for as long as you choose to entertain them. I'm calling you out. So I'm challenging you every day. What sin do I need to abandon today? Even if it's just this little thing, you think, you know what? That's been in my life long enough. This has become habitual. This has become just something that I've just allowed to stay and to grow up and to live there. What do I need to change about me today? And then do it. I know firsthand, excellence is its not easy to come by. I know sometimes it just, it just feels like really it's like a hard thing. It takes determination and it takes persistence. It takes dying. It's a daily effort. It's not a once a month kind of a thing or it's not a once a, it's not a yearly resolution that you make in January. It's easier, it's a lot easier just to turn and go with the flow. I have different kind of little routes that I walk my little dog at night with, and there's one that I really like because it's got some hills, and you know, and she kind of likes it, and so we walk this way, but when I walk one direction, the wind's always at my back, and it's kind of easy, and it's mostly downhill. We get to a certain place, and we turn, and we have to come back, and we have to go back uphill, and if the wind's right at you can't really do one without the other, so don't avoid the hard things. Just make that, get to that place. The problem is, you, you can't coast. I don't care if you're 20 or 40 or 60 or 80, you can't coast the rest of the way. Even if you're retired, that's not what retirement means. The problem is, you can't coast in life and that a lot of life is uphill journey. 
Even when you're past that place where you think, well, I thought by now in life it'd be easy. <laughs> I didn't think I'd still be broke, or I didn't think, you know, oh, now my health's going, and I'm just getting to this place where, you know, hey, I'm sorry, but that's... If you coast, you don't just stay where you are. You end up sliding backwards. You see people doing that in the snow. They get halfway up a hill. And, I, you know, I was coming into my neighborhood, and I was kind of behind this car, and I kept some distance, and they started going up. And I saw them tap their brake light, and I thought, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And they, they did it again. They start slowing down. I think, no, just easy, keep going, keep going. But they didn't. They stopped. You know what happens when you stop on a slick hill like that? You don't just stay there, do you? You start going. That's what they did. So I thought, okay, I'm going to stay way back here. And that's the way life is. Don't go into neutral, because you'll slide backwards. For this reason, we've got to be diligent. It's got to be a daily pursuit of excellence, always learning, always growing, always changing. When Paul wrote his letter to, to the church in Philippi, which the, is the church we think he was the most affectionate with, he said this, and this was um, his prayer for them. It's in Philippians 1, 9. He said, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. This prayer can become a reality in your life if you'll ask yourself these three questions every day. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to ask, repeat these three questions out loud together. Some of you think, eh, it's kind of cheesy, I don't want to do it. Well, just, just humor me and just pretend to. Uh, but if you would, stand. Okay, you ready? We're going to put them up here for you so you can see them as we say them together. Okay? Number one, what can I learn today? What can I do better today? What can I change about myself today? B.B. King said, any day that I don't learn something new, it's a day lost. Don't lose this day. Don't lose tomorrow. Remember the words of Solomon in the verse that you're going to memorize this week. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Let's affirm this. Let's sing this together. You may have some decisions you need to make right now before you leave this room.